Kyle Brandt's Basement is brought to you by Caesar Sportsbook. Hey, welcome to Kyle Brandt's Basement. It is an exciting day. It is even a joyous day. It is becoming a day of celebration. The news is pouring in for DeMar Hamlin, all about his condition. It is not only positive, it is not only encouraging, it's downright exciting. I'm going to talk about it in just a few seconds. It is pouring in right now in real time. DeMar Hamlin from the hospital in Cincinnati. We'll get to it just in a few seconds, like I said. But I have some uh, blistering Hall of Fame takes. You know how I do. Uh, We have a very exciting report from a sport you did not know you're in love with, but you are. I am too. We're going to talk Zach Wilson, all kinds of things. We're just going to get right into this day. This is a great day. This is a great day from the basement. Let's go with what I love, what I hate, and what's hilarious. Waste no time. All right, so we're recording this right about 2 p.m. Eastern time, and it's an exciting day with the Buffalo Bills and really all over the NFL. In a few hours, Coach McDermott and prominent players, most likely our guy Josh Allen, will be speaking uh, about their lives, the week, the Patriots, but uh, certainly about DeMar Hamlin, their teammate. And speaking of DeMar, we have been in this purgatory as sports fans, as football fans, and really just as people waiting and waiting now since Monday night. It's Thursday afternoon, and this eerie silence with no information. No press conference from a doctor in a white coat explaining the status of Mr. Hamlin. We've seen it a million times. We have not seen it this week, but now it's coming out because the physicians are talking and the reporters are reporting. And here is what they are saying. Uh, Principally, I'm seeing it from my colleague, Tom Pellicero. Tamar Hamlin has shown substantial improvements over the past 24 hours. He is beginning to awaken and it appears His neurological condition and function is intact. It is called a turning point in ongoing care. Neurological function intact. What does that say? It say he he seems to be himself. His brain is working. And we've all been playing this really morbid guessing game over the past two and a half days where you're just thinking of what could be going on with him, what will end up happening with him. You're on text change with someone who's a doctor or whose husband is friend is a doctor, and they're saying, well, from what I saw, it's just nonsense. It's scary, and it's unsettling, and it's this guessing game, and the guessing game is now starting to end as we're getting answers. We've asked every question. Is DeMar going to make it? Is DeMar going to be himself? Is DeMar going to be changed and broken for the rest of his life if we can save his life? It sounds like some of those questions are coming back with positive answers that we want to hear. He has shown signs of improvement, emerging from his sleep, following commands, and the best part of all, the goosebumps up your arms and down your spine moment, is that he is communicating. Not able to speak, but in writing, in one of his first communications, was asking if the Bills won the game. Pretty cool. It's unbelievably cool. This has been a few days later. He he comes to, he has a, a pencil, a whiteboard, I don't know, and he writes out, as we're hearing, who won the game. And the physician's response was, Damar, you won. You won the game of life. It's awesome. It's unbelievably awesome. Hell yes. I don't know where we go from here. And for just a few seconds right now, I don't care. 
He is with us. He is awake. He is intact psychologically, cognitively, um, neurologically. And he wants to know if, if the Bills still have the number one seed in the AFC. That's amazing. That's fantastic. I'm happy. I'm proud. I hope you feel the same way. Don't matter if what you do, where you're from, if you follow football, if you don't, if you know Damar Hamlin personally, if you never met him in your life, this is great news. It's, it's great news. Um, the doctor says they have explained to him, to Damar, what happened. And he expressed surprise that he had not been with the world for two days. They also started to explain to him all of the support that has poured in from all over the world. People coming to the hospital, candlelight vigils, flowers, certainly all the financial support that's been pouring into his charitable cause. They explained that to him. His first note was still, did we win? And the doctor says it's not only that the lights are on, we know that he's home. This is pretty awesome. I can't get enough. The quote is um, that you asked about what is the best outcome of this. This is the, the doctors in charge. And where can we go and what can we expect? So the doctor says the best outcome would be who he was before this happened. In other words, it's just, it's Damar. It's this, this guy from Pittsburgh who loves football, loves fashion, loves wings, has a little brother, is thrilled to be on the Bills, has been playing great for them all this year and is super family oriented and had a really, really scary, terrifying thing happen to him on Monday Night Football in front of millions of people. And we've been kind of sick about it ever since that he could go back to being that person from before the pass over the middle in the first quarter against the Bengals. Um, and sure enough, <laughs> somebody asked, and it's fantastic that it's even being asked, that it's even able to be asked. Could DeMar Hamlin play professional football again? Response, it's entirely too early to have that conversation. Sure. Doctor goes on, he's still critically ill in the intensive care unit. The focus is on getting him breathing on his own, getting stronger and back home. It's unbelievable. You know, you go, go to, um, to Monday night at midnight or Monday night at 10 p.m when the CPR is going on and when the bills are ashen and shocked and go to Tuesday morning when you woke up. And if it was, you were like me and you follow this as closely as I do and as closely as I know a lot of you people do, I went to bed at midnight and I woke up and I was on, I woke up like three times in the middle of the night. I checked my phone, checked my phone and it all had gone silent. Then I wake up again in the morning, early in the morning, but in the morning and I was so afraid to check Twitter to see some tweet that DeMar maybe didn't make it. And, and I had a pit in my stomach and there was nothing. And then there's been nothing. There was nothing Tuesday, Wednesday. We're hearing these reports from his, his uncle and his business partner adjacent and there weren't details at all. They're just like, I'm with him and he, you know, he's, he's in good care. It wasn't, what's gonna happen? It's all we want to know. The whole world wants to know what's going to happen with this guy. And we don't know for sure yet, but my God, when we hear these doctors say the focus is on getting him back home, 
Back home, that sounds great. Tuesday morning, if we could have said by Thursday afternoon the focus will be on getting him back home, that is a win. That is massive. Um, one of his teammates, it's kind of fun now because, as I mentioned, the Bills are going to speak, and the teammates, Deion Dawkins did it, but some of the other guys, that are, they're starting to talk now. And I think that's indicative of how everybody feels, and maybe they can, they can talk now because it's less dire, slightly so. Kair Elam, uh, one of his teammates, he just got, he went on Twitter, and he just said, our boy's doing better. Awake and showing more signs of improvement. Thank you, God. Keep the prayers coming, please. All love three. You know what report I saw? That, that was great. Uh, my guys, Chris Brown and Steve Tasker, who do One Bills Live there, who have really been the nerve center of all of this in the media going through this whole week. Great guys, great show, great Buffalo people and vibe. They said that uh, at practice today, the practice as I'm recording this right now, the Bills are on the practice field getting ready for the Patriots who they have to play in three days. Uh, they said there's music playing at practice and there had not been prior to today. And there's music playing like always, whatever they're listening to while they practice. And that is, again, indicative of where they are, how they're feeling. There's a totally different vibe because of this news, because he is awake, because he's communicating, because he's Mar. So um, they play a game this weekend. And if they play this game with the positive motivation of our guy is awake, our guy is starting to feel better, our guy is going to come home, I mean... I, they may win by 50 points, you know, and then who knows? They may play a wild guard game the next week. I don't know how that's going to shake out. As to the question of what's going to happen with Bengals bills, like I'm an NFL employee. I, I have the ear and I come across NFL executives all the time, NFL media, whatnot, people who are plugged into these decisions being made. And I do not know. And I've asked pointedly, I've even asked, could you tell me what's going on? Could you tell me what we're thinking, what the solution might be? And uh, as of a couple days ago, even yesterday, they're working very hard and I don't have the answer. I've seen a lot of ideas out there and it's gonna become more interesting if DeMar's health continues to improve because if he goes to some level of stability and the doctors are comfortable with him and there really do become plans to try to get him home, then that conversation will become central. What do you do with that game? It is a massively impactful game and has a huge domino effect around the entire AFC and how we're gonna do this thing. But it's exciting right now to even talking about that game because we haven't been able to and we haven't wanted to and now it just gives us like, oh my God, he's doing better, he's doing better. Maybe there'll be real football and we can all sit there and not have a lump in our throats. It's very, very cool. Um, Ian Rappaport had reported that DeMar had opened his eyes last night, again, responsive, and that he'd been gripping the hands of those close to him and now maybe even better today. Uh, it's awesome. That's why we do it. That's why it's called What I Love. This is the best What I Love we have ever done. Uh, again, more coming, hopefully positive, but DeMar Hamlin, an incredibly positive day for him, and I could talk about it on and on and on. Let's move on. Let's take a sharp left turn. Uh, it is Hall of Fame season, almost. And, oh boy, buckle up. Let's get to What I Hate. All right, so the Hall of Fame finalists were announced, the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and it's a bunch of guys, and it's, uh, if you're around my age at all, 
these start to really resonate with you because it's guys you grew up watching, it's guys you watched maybe when you are in high school or you were in college or when you were falling in love with the game and some of the names that just jump off the board. Um, Reggie Wayne, Patrick Willis, Darren Woodson, Darrell Rivas, Dwight Freeney, Devin Hester's on again, Torrey Holt is on, it feels like every year for years. Bunch of great players, Zach Thomas, a guy who I love. I, I have a pretty radical approach to the Hall of Fame and I don't have these stock Hall of Fame debates that fill the call screens and uh, just become this, oh man, sports media chewing gum that you just chew on and chew on and go on and it's very stock and you sit on a bar stool somewhere and argue, yeah, but maybe Isaac Bruce shouldn't have got it and I'll tell you why, oh, I just don't do that. Here, here's my take. I am an elitist for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I want only the very, 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 very best players ever to be in. I'm a true one percenter when it comes to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I want the best of the best. Um, in my opinion, Hall of Fame debates, these things that are had all over the world, all over the NFL, all over every form of media for years and years and years, I don't believe Hall of Fame debates should even exist. Because if there has to be a Hall of Fame debate about a player, he is not a Hall of Famer. It's that simple. If I could do it, and I can't, I would have only first ballot guys. That's it. The best players. That's it. You're in. Tom Brady, you're a Hall of Famer. Aaron Rodgers, you're a Hall of Famer. Larry Fitzgerald, you're a Hall of Famer. Go on and on. First ballot only. There becomes this part of the conversation, if you watch these shows or see these people's podcasts or see the Twitter accounts, where very few people, sometimes it seems like none, ever want to say, this person's not a Hall of Famer. I love him. I watched his career. I really respect it. Fantastic career. But no, I would vote no. It seems to be, especially in the circles that I run in, oh, you have to put him in. You have to put him in. No, you don't. No, you don't. Are they really one of the best players to ever play football? One of the best at ever their division and at their position, I mean? Or are they just a really great player who had a great career? I'll tell you what I mean. Because my bottom line on Hall of Famers is there's nothing wrong with just, you played a long time and were a really good player and you had a great career. That's awesome. You're unbelievably fortunate and should be so proud. You're not a Hall of Famer. You had a great career. Just, that's fine. There's nothing to apologize for. So, it's not fun to bring up names of guys that you love and have watched your whole life and say, I don't think they're a Hall of Famer because you respect them. But I do it. I don't think that Frank Gore is a Hall of Famer. And I know that's a unique opinion and I know some people just say, what, 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 what do you mean? Look, look how many yards he has. Look how long he played. It's great. I love Frank Gore. As a guy, as, during his career as a guy, as a runner, everything, I don't think that Frank Gore is one of the best running backs ever. I don't think that Frank Gore was ever, ever in the conversation in his whole long career as the best running back in the league. I don't think, never mind was he or not, I don't think he was ever in the conversation. That to me says you are not a Hall of Famer. Philip Rivers I don't think is a Hall of Famer. People are like, but he was the face of the Chargers. He has all these stats that you see here. He played this long. I don't care. He's a great player for a great career, not a Hall of Famer. People say, 
you have to make them a Hall of Famer because you can't write this era of football without insert name here. Okay, with all due respect, if Philip Rivers was inducted to the Hall of Fame and they run the vignette as he's inducted of all his greatest moments of his career, what are we showing? Are we showing a week six win over the Raiders? Are we showing a win in the wild card round? That, that's just, that's not enough. That's not substantive enough. And people, when I say this, people say, well, what do you want? Do you want uh, stats? Do you want longevity? Do you want championships? And my answer is yes. I want all of the above, all of them. This raised some eyebrows, not my take, but this topic this past year, this past induction class. Because look, candidly, it wasn't the most star-studded and it wasn't the no-doubters. I have enough respect for these men and I hope they have incredible times with their families and their future generations and their family going to see the bust and Canton and everything. I wish them no ill will, of course. But I wouldn't have voted for them. There were no first ballot guys in this class. And sure enough, a, a past first ballot guy, Deion Sanders, had a thought on the Hall of Fame class. And Dion said, the Hall of Fame ain't the Hall of Fame no more. I love it, I respect it, I admire it. I think all the guys who are inducted are definitely deserving, but it needs to be a different colored jacket. My jacket's gotta be a different color. So that's Dion being Dion, and he can speak like that because he used to sign his autograph with a dollar sign and the S and he's prime time and he speaks like very arrogantly, but that's what he does. I just say it as, um, I understand what he's saying, that the same honor is given to Deion Sanders, uh, Joe Montana, name whoever you want, Jim Brown, like the, the classic all-time, Lawrence Taylor, best players ever, the same honor and level of um, respect and, and celebration is given to them who is given to insert guy who hung on the ballot for six or seven years and got in. If it was up to me again, I would have a separate wing or distinction for first ballot guys. First ballot is badass. Bam, first time in for Hall of Famer, there's no debate, there's no wait, there's no, we gotta get a few other guys in before you, and then you get in, there's no, there's kind of a backlog at your position, and there's you know few, few other wide receivers who have kind of waited longer, so maybe four or five years from now, we'll get, no, 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 no. I ended my career exactly five years ago on mark, and I deserve to be in. All right, come right in. First ballot guys are awesome. A patch, Deion's has a different color jacket, a wing, that's what I would do. And believe me, as a tourist, if you've gone to the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton, and I have a few times, the first ballot wing would be the first place you wanna go. Cream of the crop. It's the, it's the all-stars of the all-stars. They will never do it, ever, because the Pro Football Hall of Fame's whole uh, belief and, and motto and creed is that once you're in, you're in football heaven and we're all brothers. And listen, I again, I don't agree with a lot of it, but I respect all of it. First ballot would be pretty cool. It'd be tough because all the tourists would want to go to that and they would not want to go over here. Like I've been in that hall of busts. It, it's, it's getting pretty big year after year after year. They're going to have to expand that thing. It's going to be the size of the Mall of America by the time we get 15, 20 years from now, every year. Some year, have no guys. No first ballot guys, sorry guys, no class this year. Whatever it was this particular time in the draft class, they just didn't have the greatest guys. Great, great careers, of course. We had this guy, this guy made Pro Bowls, all pro. But was he one of the greatest of all time? No. Frank Gore, Philip Rivers, love them. Believe me, Matt Ryan, if he retires after this year, in five years, people are gonna be like, all right, Matt Ryan. 
Falcons all-time blah, 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 played a long time as a classy guy, people like in the media. I think he's a Hall of Famer. You do? You think Matt Ryan is of the same ilk as Dan Marino or Brett Favre or any, like, you, come on. No, he's not. He just played for a long time. He was a good player. That, that's it. <laughs> There's no, that's the end of the conversation. You got to tell me that this is one of the best ever if you're going to be in my Hall of Fame. There's a lot of guys I feel that way about. And again, point to anybody in the media who wants to stand up and say, you know, as much as I respect what Frank Gore has done or what Marshawn Lynch has done or what anybody has done, I just don't think they're one of the best I've ever seen. The Hall of Fame is supposed to be very selective. And while I applaud them, it's great. I don't think they should be in. Now, if these guys get in, when Frank Gore gets in, because he probably will, of course, I don't stomp my feet and say this is nonsense. I applaud him. I respect. I don't hold on that tight. But I wouldn't vote for him. I just wouldn't. I don't know. Looking at this list this year, there's some great players. Troy Polamalu was the first, first ballot guy a couple years ago. 2021 had Woodson, Peyton Manning, and Calvin Johnson. Ed Reed, Tony Gonzalez, Champ. These are Hall of Famers. Ray Lewis, Erlacher. Randy Moss is a Hall of Fame player. Bam. There has never once been a Hall of Fame debate about Randy Moss. So what do you think? Do you put him in? It's a stupid debate. That's a Hall of Famer. But when Torrey Holt comes up, when Randy Barber gets up, we have a debate. I love those guys, but I don't think they're Hall of Famers. That's it. I hate that how it goes. I wish it could be clear, but it can't be. And that's why the debate goes on and on. I'm an elitist, one percenter, and I apologize for nothing. Guys, you don't make the people wait for darts talk. Let's talk some bleeping darts and what's hilarious. So I remember back when we were talking about doing Kyle Brandt's basement, I sat down uh, and there was a big table and it was uh, the executives at Omaha and it was, it was Peyton and Eli and they said, uh, you know, Kyle, talk some football, sure, but if there's any way you could work in some professional dart talk. I said, I'm sorry, what, what did you say, Peyton? He's like, yeah, professional darts is the new big thing. I know everybody says it's pickleball. No, professional darts, please get into that. So I made Peyton wait months and months to do that here at Omaha Productions. But that wait is over, Peyton. You got what you wanted. Professional darts are hilarious. In fact, let's go to Skycam for a second. I'm one of the only shows in the world who has a dartboard and it's functional. It's not like they are down in their man cave and they got their cool dartboard and their ironic Nintendo games and their records behind them and they're, oh, they're so cool. We have a dartboard here, we use it, we throw it, we actually tie it into the content. So let me go back over here to home base. PDC, baby. PDC, if I were to stop you and say, what do you think the PDC is? You'd be like, isn't that about diseases? And I'd say, no, that's the CDC. PDC, that's the Professional Darts Corporation. Not PDL, wouldn't they go Professional Darts League? No, Professional Darts Corporation, they had their world championship on Tuesday. It was basically their Super Bowl and their World Series and all that great stuff. Best darts players in the world. I'm not talking about the guys down at the Irish pub or the wing bar. <laughs> who sit there and they can hit a couple 20s and they have the chalkboard and all that. It's great. We've all done it with pitchers. Or we had the stupid electronic dart machine in our basement at kids with like the plastic darts and they had to fit in those little holes. This is the real deal. This is, this is, this is the best of all time. This is the Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen of darts. They had it on Tuesday. Guy named Michael Smith, not the uh, American reporter, 
is an English guy, and he was taking on Michael Van Gerwen. So we got Michael versus Michael, Van Gerwen versus Smith, England versus the Netherlands. And in the second set, I'm just going to talk through this with you guys. Trust me, the video is going to be worth it. That's why you should watch Kyle Rant's Basement. In the second set, I guess they have sets and darts. There was a series of events that's being described as the best leg of darts ever. What the hell is a leg? Leg to me in sports is like you're the last leg of the relay. No, apparently a leg is a game and they had Michael versus Michael and they're trying to get a leg of 501, 501. Why is it 501? You gotta get 501 points and as fast as possible. You get three darts a shot, you get three darts, the other guy gets three darts. You get three darts, the other guy gets three darts, all right? And what you do is, they go for that triple 20. That's the thing, it's not, not the bullseye, triple 20. Come over here for a second. You know how this works? I know this is kind of a shot right here. So outer circle right there is worth double. In other words, if you hit the 12 outer circle, that's 24. But inner circle is worth triple. So 12 inner circle would be 36. What you wanna do is hit the 20 inner circle right there, which is triple, that's 60 points a pop, 60. So you wanna hit that as many times as possible with each three throw turn until you get to 501. However, there's a catch. Apparently you have to end on a double to win and after they hit 60, 60, 60, they start going for the 19s to make the math work out. Why the hell do they go to 501? I don't know. Wouldn't you just go to 500? I don't know. But here's the deal. Imagine throwing a dart and trying to be that accurate with it that many times over and over. And if you hit that triple 20, you're really ahead of the pack. So Michael Smith versus Michael Van Gerwen had themselves a, a, a bird versus magic. This is like Jack Nicholas versus Tiger Woods that they could have both in their, been in their primes at Augusta. And here we go, guys. As requested by Peyton Manning, allegedly, professional damn darts roll it. Got to find a break of throw in this set if he wants oh. to level up the World Championship <laughs> final. Uh, Michael Van Gerwen isn't in any mood to give him a sniff. Yeah, the, the combination finishing in this game is going to be key. You can tell by the way they're scoring. There may be nothing in it. They may both be on nines. Michael may miss and Michael may hit. They're both on nope. nines. 60. Both on a 60. This is 60. He looks like Bam Bam Bigelow. He's got a fire shirt on. There's 200,000 people there. Big dart Bam. One man misses, does the right. other man Just Stay get. with me. I've never seen the right, Bam Bam Bigelow. Steps up the line. Is so hard. 60. Yes! Double 12! 19 times 3. 12 double. He's so fired up. You know, bald guy. This is like the, the World Cup final. I can't believe how excited everybody is. 60, 60. All right, so that was it. What did you just see? What did you just hear? An unbelievable finish. To recap, the pair, and I'm doing this. I'm committed to this. How dare you mock me for tackle professional darts? I think it's awesome. The pair combined for 17 consecutive perfect darts before Van Gerwen missed his ninth dart and Smith finished giving him the win. 
Players have to get the five of one and you have to finish on a double, the outer circle. You can't just keep it in the triple. You can't hit the stock little pizza wedge. It has to be the double. In theory, the best you can do is nine darts to get to 300, no, damn it, 501 points, which is all insane. Nine darts got him there that quickly. Uh, background on the gentleman. Van Gerwen, who ended up, I don't know, choking. <laughs> Bald guy in the yellow. Three-time world champ, Smith, Bam Bam Bigelow. Not as accomplished. So this is an underdog story here. This was, you know, like a, a nine seed versus a one. Prior to winning the Grand Slam of darts last month, he was 0-8 in major championship finals. Would be like if the 90s Bills won Super Bowls in back-to-back -back months. All of a sudden, we got it. We're winning titles. Um, other notes. If you heard the breathtaking commentary, which I believe was on Sky Sports, former player, player Wayne Martle, so Wayne Martle is like the Troy Aikman. He was the former player who goes into broadcasting. He lost his voice. He literally could not speak from that clip and he had to be replaced on the broadcast a few sets later. Like he was falling apart and he's like, I tap, I can't speak. I can't believe what Van Gerwen just did. He was that excited. Remember when Bob Costas' body was eroding in Russia at the Olympics? And he's like, I gotta go. That was similar to this, in that Wayne Martle, who is all heart, couldn't speak because he was so excited. Like, this is why you get into the darts game. This is why you lift all them weights. This is why your dad works with you at the pub as a kid. You get into the game for moments like this. And Wayne, Gar Wayne Martle, excuse me, was so excited about it that he lost his voice. Earlier in the tournament, another player, Gerwin Price, this is how intense this gets. I thought, you think it's all just soccer and pints and pubs in England? It's definitely that, but it's also darts, all right? Because these people representing the Netherlands and representing the UK, they get after it. Another player, Gerwin Price, was being heckled so badly by the dark hooligans that he had to put on noise-canceling headphones to tune them out. And to that I say, Gerwin Price, what a wimp. You have to focus so much on darts that you have to put in noise-canceling headphones like you're sitting next to a baby on an airplane? It's live sports! This is darts! This isn't down the, the street at J.P. Willikers or whatever Buffalo Wild Wings. You're on the big stage, of course they're gonna heckle you. You got a face like a catcher's mitt, you got pecs like your Tony Atlas, and you play darts. Is, does this guy get killed for this in the darts online community? Noise-canceling headphones? What a wimp! Take the pain! Block it out! Can you imagine? Imagine if, um, let's say, uh, Justin Herbert goes into Arrowhead in the playoffs and he gets noise-canceling earbuds under his helmet because the Arrowhead crowd is just heckling him too much. Is this, is this professional darts or is this amateur hour? Is that standard? That's awful. I don't know if that's a, a UK thing or whatever, but in America, that would not go. There was a time, when you can look it up, that John Elway had to ask the officials at Arrowhead to calm, quiet down the crowd because he can communicate with his team. It was an amazing thing. It really happened. And the, the, back then you could do that. And the officials said, please quiet down. We will call a, a penalty on the Chiefs because John Elway could not hear. It's an incredible thing. So Gerwin Price, not a fan of yours. But um, I love my guys, Van Gerwen and Bam Bam Smith. Absolutely awesome. Could you believe how close they got them together? What's funny, let's go to Skycam one more time then we'll move on to uh, Brent's awareness. I've been throwing darts at this board for months now for you guys. There's 50 of them that aren't even on the board. I've never once hit a bullseye. 
and they're going in this, I'm going to call it a one inch by a third of an inch little piece of confetti shaped target here. You notice that mine has, doesn't even have any holes in it. And Bam Bam was going ding, 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 ding. I couldn't even do that from here. If I was poking it, I would miss. And he's just choo, 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 with no noise canceling. That's awesome. I love those guys. If we can get Van Gerwen, that's his name, right? No, Bam Bam Smith. I keep messing them up. It's probably not gonna help my next request. If we could get them to come on the basement. I don't like a lot of guests, mostly just Josh Allen. But if we can get Bam Bam Bigelow, the darts thrower into the basement, I'd love to have him on. And our pitch would be, this is the only show that throws darts during the show. That'd be incredible. I'd love to have him even down here in the basement. We can go next door here and have a drink. I'm sure my wife would love to meet a uh, famous uh, darts player. Who wouldn't? Um, man, that's awesome. Is he a family man? You have a wife? Who knows? I bet he was throwing some darts later. That's awesome. That's also what's hilarious. Smith has two kids. That's incredible. The guy with the faux hawk and all the tattoos. That's amazing. And now maybe they'll form, maybe he'll be like the Archie Manning and he'll be like one of the great darts patriarchs in all of sports. That would be incredible. Great dart fortune that he will build up. I wonder if he played lawn darts in the eighties, if he's even old enough for those, who knows? Um, we gotta move on, we have to you guys. It's a big exciting day. Guy who's always throwing darts, Mr. Michael Flynn with something we call brand awareness. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear, check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner, check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Flynn, your thoughts on what you just saw? I love it. I have so yeah. many thoughts on what I just saw. One, I want to go and be in the audience because it just seems like utter chaos. There's definitely not mm -hmm. one sober person in that room. Uh, two, uh, I love Michael Smith. We're calling him Bam Bam. I'm looking at his Wikipedia now. His nickname is Bully Boy but I like Bam Bam way better. Uh, three, you mentioned the commentator who's a former darts player mm -hmm. who lost his voice. How do you become a former darts player? Like, does the skill disappear at some point where you have to retire and go into commentating? How does that happen? Yeah, I think you develop elbow problems after a while and like you just don't have the stroke anymore. Um, I can't imagine, do you just lose it? I mean, it's you have to be really mentally locked in for that sport. But I don't think you have to be in, in good condition or anything. <laughs> it's just going like that. But eventually the fatigue does kick in. Um, it's very exciting. I like that, that darts. I'm into that. Yeah, I like the idea of uh, 
furthering our interest in the dart sport, especially once the offseason hits and we're going to have to get creative. I bet Kyle Brent's basement has not seen the last of professional darts throwing, but let's get into the headlines, shall we? Uh, Today, Jets offensive coordinator Michael Floor met with the media and he took the blame for the team's offensive woes over the second half of the season, along with the team's handling of Zach Wilson. He admitted that they probably should have sat Wilson last season and allowed him to learn the game from a veteran QB. Kyle, your thoughts? They're trying. They're trying. They're trying to hype, to hype that guy up. They understand, like, you can't miss this badly on the number two overall pick. I don't know if it was Sala or I saw somebody else with the Jets, and it was this really profound quote about uh, hell or high water, we're sticking with this kid. That's a weird quote, isn't it? Hell or high water, those are your two choices. They both sound terrible. Like, I, I am, listen, it looks like a big whiff, and I've said this before. There was a time, and it goes to what LaFleur was saying, where you would draft someone that high, and there really wasn't even a thought that you would play them. That's not how it was done. I remember uh, Carson Palmer comes out of USC, wins the Heisman, number one overall pick of the Bengals, and he didn't play. They had John Kitna. You don't, you don't wouldn't play Palmer, you, you sit them. You sit them, and it's like a little birdie sitting on her eggs until they're ready. And then it's, I mean, it's really sensible, of course, and you learn and you get acclimated and then it's like, all right, well now he's ready. And then Carson Palmer came in and he was really good. Uh, Can't happen now. One, the quarterbacks are so much better and so much more well-prepared coming out of college. The systems have changed. The upbringing of quarterbacks and the camps and the specialization and all that has changed. They're, They're ready to play faster. And then look, this is, this is the deal with the NFL right now. You draft a quarterback and the second you call that name, the stopwatch starts and you have a few years to win a Super Bowl without that quarterback having 50 million dollars a year that's it that's the best and easiest path to do it it is very hard otherwise we're seeing some quarterbacks now who are so good Mahomes makes all the money in the world Josh makes a whole bunch of money and Rodgers and all that we know but like the Herbert formula Herbert on his rookie deal it's way easier there's a salary cap if your quarterback is making I don't know, 16 million versus 42. That is a pass rusher, that's a tight end, and that is a left guard and a running back that you all paid for. They're gonna help you win games. So yeah, you should have probably not played him maybe as quickly as you did just because he wasn't ready, but I can't be here for the retroactive excuses about, I think we mismanaged Zach Wilson. If you can start talking about when you drafted him, maybe. But no, this is the, the NFL today. You don't sit around and wait and wait and wait, you go. You go, and Patrick Mahomes would have played right away as a number one, except he had Alex Smith, who was still really good and was getting into the playoffs. And the fact is, everyone wants to say, look, they waited on Mahomes, and that worked. I got a feeling Patrick Mahomes would have been just fine from Jump Street, first drive of the first game of his rookie year. Who the hell knows? The Chiefs might have cost themselves a Super Bowl by not starting Patrick Mahomes this his first year. So I understand what the Jets are doing. They're trying really hard to try to hype him up because they're married to him. They got married to him. Um, but it's short of like an absolutely profound amount of growth in the offseason. I don't know where the hell they go with this. Michael Floor, I hear you, but I just don't agree with you. Moving on, let's stay in the AFC East and talking about the Miami Dolphins ping pong table again. David Ferronis of the Sun Sentinel reporting that the table has once again been removed from the locker room ahead of the team's regular season finale against the Jets. Kyle, I know that you were keeping track, but reminding our listeners, the team went 3-2 and two to start the season with an old ping pong table. Mm-hmm. They removed it. Tyreek Hill ordered a custom-made one, and while they waited for that one to arrive with no ping pong table, they went 5-1. and one. 
Once it got there, the new custom-made one, that is, they've lost their last five games. So Kyle is removing the table again, the secret to success, and their answer for beating the Jets this Sunday. You know what they should do? And this is out of left field. They should get a dartboard. I'm pro darts. I don't know if you know that. You get a dartboard, custom-made dartboard. It helps with more accuracy. It helps with camaraderie. It's a little bit dangerous. But listen, um... I wish the dark, I wish the, the ping pong table was was the problem with them. The, their problem is is that they can't keep Tua on the field, and they peaked about a month ago. And um, you know, at this point, bring the table in. If you're gonna go down in this last week, let the, let the, the dudes have their little fun. Let let them smack it around. Uh, the dolphins, the dolphins can still get in. Uh, it's not pretty, and you know, I was we were talking about. Um, Talking about Brock Purdy this morning on Good Morning Football, and uh, he, um, when Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt on the Niners, it was against the Dolphins. And if you look at all the recaps of the game, and Brock Purdy comes in, and the Niners win pretty convincingly, all of the write-up in like the AP recap is all about, oh my gosh, the Dolphins lost. What happened? To it and play well, and the Dolphins. Can you believe they lost? Because they had a huge winning streak coming into that. I think they were 8-3 and three at the time. So imagine Jimmy Garoppolo and this Niners team, that's the Super Bowl frontrunner, have Mr. Irrelevant come into the game. And the writer's focus at the story at the time wasn't that even. It was, it's so shocking that the Dolphins lost. How could this happen? That's how highly they were thought of. They were thought of, Mike McDaniel is officially the Sean McVay, and Tua Tagovailoa is on his way to becoming a star in this league. You know, both those things might be true, who knows, but it was just such an interesting time uh, stamp in this season that Jimmy Garoppolo gets hurt again and some guy who was drafted the last pick of the draft comes in and the Niners are screwed, but never mind all that. The Dolphins? How could they possibly lose to the Niners? Now we feel like the Niners would beat them by 60. Life comes at you fast in the NFL and I feel like we haven't heard from the Dolphins since. So, I don't know, let them play ping pong, go at it. But I would prefer darts because this is a pro dart show. Yeah, the narrative in that game changed pretty quickly, too. You remember that first play was the 75-yard touchdown to Trent Sherfield, and it was like, mm. oh, my God, the Dolphins can beat the Niners. This is a Super Bowl favorite, and uh, it's been all downhill since. Yeah. Uh, moving away from ping pong to the Super Bowl, uh, Brian Cranston will return as Walter White from Breaking Bad in a Pop Corners Super Bowl ad. Kyle, your thoughts on the return of Heisenberg? Great. Good for him. Love Cranston. Make money. Take a huge check. Brian Cranston uh, worked his ass off for years, decades as an actor, working here, and he had a little spot on Seinfeld, he gets Malcolm in the middle, good for him, and then he blows up with one of the greatest television roles ever. You go and make that money, you endorse those popcorn chips, Cranston, you have earned it. All he's done since he stopped Breaking Bad is work nonstop on anything and everything he wants. I have met Brian Cranston, he came on Good Morning Football a couple years ago, so nice, so kind, knows who you are, did the research before the show, calls you by name. We took a shot with Cranston. Now this is only about, I don't know, it was a couple of years after Breaking Bad ended. And we took a shot and we said, we could sit down and just ask him about his new project and what he thinks of the NFL, and which we did, and he was great. And we had him like, maybe let's get a hat. Let's ask him to do a speech as Heisenberg about the Eagles and the Rams. And he's not gonna go for that. Like, let's just ask. He's like, yeah, I'm up for it. This is this is Walter White. He came and got in character and did the, like, I'm the one who knocks, I am the danger. 
and we, it was just, it was so cool that he would go on this little show on NFL Network and be like, I'm up for anything. It was awesome. I had so much respect for him. Everybody who works with him says he's fantastic. So I'm thrilled that he's doing a popcorn chip commercial. Um, I love seeing Walter White. It's not like he's this guy who, oh, I'm going back to the only character I've ever played. No, he's worked nonstop, will work to the day he dies and be respected for it universally. I can't wait for the Heisenberg commercial. I'm into it. And it's gonna, I, it's pop chips, right? What are they called, Flynn? Pop chips? Pop chips? It's gonna be, look, I'm, I'm the one who pops. Like, isn't that great? Great. I hope he buys a beach house because of it. Huge Brian Cranston supporter. But it begs the question, as it often does here in the basement, Walter White coming back for a Super Bowl commercial. When you're at your Super Bowl party or you're watching the Super Bowl in any way you are and you're going through the commercials and normally they're kind of over now and it's more of a thing from yesteryear, the Super Bowl commercials. But if you could just pick any beloved or iconic or memorable television character to show up in a Super Bowl commercial, who would you pick? Think about that they got the same actor is gonna play the same character. You know, like they get Henry Winkler and he's in the leather jacket or he's jumping on water skis over a shark. He's playing the font. Any character you want, endorsing some stupid product for a check and God bless him, who would you pick? Well, my answer will come at the end, but we asked you first. Great responses, team. I love when you contribute like this. Here we go. I'll think about it six, his actual Twitter handle. He says in a Super Bowl commercial he wants, he just writes, greatest football player ever, Al Fortuddy Bundy. That would be fun. Couple things on that. Um, I don't know if he would show up because I think he is obscenely wealthy from modern family, but maybe, you know, as they say, there's always a bigger jet. Maybe you could throw a check to him. Two, you ever go back and watch some of those Al Bundy clips? You ever go on YouTube and watch him at the shoe store talking to the, the customers, the female customers? It's outrageous what he says. It's unbelievable. I, it's one of those things where you're like, I know it was a long time ago, but man, this was on TV now? I can't even believe it's on YouTube now. It's so offensive. But it's also why he is who he is. So Al Bundy would be great. That's, that's a natural, he can endorse anything. Shoe salesman would be great. Zappos or something. All right, now we're talking Bengals Whitney. She says, Alf, especially if one of the teams has a cat mascot. Michael Flynn, come in here right now. Get in here. Michael Flynn. Uh, state your age for the Kyle Brand Spaceman audience. I am 34. 34. All right. Tell me your familiarity with that last tweet about the, the words, the word ALF, A-L-F. What is she talking about? I, I know who ALF is. I don't think I ever watched the show ALF. I do know that he ate cats, right? Yes. You're, I think My you're only... too young for the show. Yeah, my only um, familiarity with ALF was there was like an after-school special that had a whole bunch of different cartoon characters in it, and he was one of them. So, so, so that's all my knowledge of ALF. All right, I am not 34. Here's, uh, let me just tell you. ALF was an alien, and ALF is actually an acronym. It stands for Alien Life Form. That's why his name is ALF. And he came from the planet Melmac, and he crashed on Earth, and there was this nice family where they took him in as like a friend and like really a de facto brother and out in like their little work shed would be his spaceship and he would constantly be working on it to fix it and everything but in the meantime he became part of the family and it was a sitcom and it was like a puppet and he would laugh he would go ha and he would always try to uh, consume the family cat and there he is in a tuxedo and he was always a real wise ass and he was funny and he was elf the alien living in the suburbs 
And then there was an ALF cartoon. There was many ALF dolls and toys. ALF was a sensation. He was a huge deal. And the show probably lasted, I'm gonna say four seasons, maybe only three, who knows. But ALF is a great suggestion and ALF would be endorsing uh, cat food or PetSmart or something like that. Next, what else we got? Who else should show up in a Super Bowl commercial? Oh, now we're talking. See, I could bring you in again, Flynn, but I'm not going to. DRock40 says you're gonna get Richard Dean Anderson to be MacGyver. Has this not been done? MacGyver was 35 years ago, and he was this guy who was got into adventures, and it's sort of like a modern Indiana Jones, and in the modern understanding of MacGyver, would be that he, he could make something out of anything. So if he was being held captive by the bad guys, and he had to blow the lock on the jail cell, they'd be like, you stay in here, MacGyver, and we will only leave you with this stick of chewing gum, uh, this toothpick, and this pineapple. And he'd be like, all right, good luck with that. And they would leave. And then MacGyver would fashion an explosive device from the stick of gum, the, the toothpick, and the pineapple. And he would make it somehow, I don't know how, but then it would blow up the lock and he would escape. And you're just like, MacGyver, how did you come up with that stuff? How can you make a bomb out of a pineapple? But he would do it. And so that would be Richard Dean Anderson um, playing MacGyver. MacGruber is probably well known to some of the younger guys, and that's also great. But Richard Dean would be great, and he would be endorsing some sort of app, I don't know, something uh, where you just can, can construct things suddenly out of nowhere. I'm getting a bind, not going anywhere for a while. Richard Dean Anderson, next. What's the next one? Do we have anything in the last 25 years? Okay, Mike Regan says, classic reality TV, one of the bachelors, like Jake Pavelka or Juan Pablo. I, Jake Pavelka is my favorite bachelor ever. I don't think he's the coolest guy ever, but he was just amazing to watch. Juan Pablo, watched that season too. He's okay, he's okay. It's okay, it's okay. Constantly saying, it's okay. Um, kind of dropped the ball at the end of this season. I'd be happy to see this. If you're going classic reality TV from that era though, you're going Boston Rob, Omarosa. I don't think Pavelka and Juan Pablo are showing up in a Super Bowl commercial. Next, next if you please. All right, there we go. Who should show up in the Super Bowl commercial? I'm looking at, the tweet says, these two for sure and can have some fun with the confusion about what the hell football even is. So I'm looking at Braun and Tyrion. Sir Braun of the Blackwater and Tyrion Lannister. This is one of the greatest little buddy-buddy moments and relationships through Game of Thrones. I don't know if Dinklage would do a Super Bowl. Ah, he would. Dinklage did a Marvel movie. He'll show up for something commercial. And Sir Braun, I'm not sure what he's been up to, but I loved him. He was one of my favorite characters. We used to do a lot of who would win when Game of Thrones was on. It would be like, who would win in a street fight, Braun or the Hound? It's like, oh, the Hound is so much bigger and more experienced with the sword, but like Braun is so dirty and kind of go with Braun on that one. Uh, they would be endorsing, um, hopefully, beer because they both really liked it. Or a bank because they love money. These are great. These would all show up in Super Bowl commercials. Anybody else? What else we got from the people watching Kyle Brandt's Basement? <sighs> Blaze and Casey. Blaze, why are you obsessed with Nicholas from Eight is Enough? <laughs> this came in and the staff was certainly younger than me, they go, we don't know who this person is because there's no tweet. It's just a picture of Nicholas from Eight is Enough. And I go, oh, well, that's definitely from Blaze, right? Why are you obsessed with him? What is your obsession with Nicholas from Eight is Enough? And is it 100% the haircut or is it merely 99%? Nicholas from Eight is Enough, no human being in history 
has had more volume of hair than Nicholas. And that includes Pete Rose, that includes any hair metal rocker from the 80s. It was the cute little kid who had like the hair, same hair content as a woolly mammoth, just put on top of his head. I don't know how, how that was possible. Adam Rich. Uh, Rich, of course, went through it a little bit and had some troubles and there has been some media hoaxes that he was no longer with us and um, just some tough stuff. But if he showed up in the Super Bowl commercial, sure, I know, Blaze, that you would be into it. And I would be too. Look at that little guy in a three-piece suit showing up to the TV premiere with a giant head of hair. Mine is also a strikingly modern one um, from, pulled from the last couple of years. Who I'd like to see show up uh, in a Super Bowl commercial. You ever watch the show Small Wonder? Get Nicholas off the screen. Like, I can't look at that hair anymore. Uh, Small Wonder, the character Vicky. In the show Small Wonder, which is different than ALF, and this is really helping the younger TikTok generation watch the show, uh, this family, I, couldn't, I believe, couldn't make a, a child. There she is. <laughs> they had trouble, I think, conceiving or whatever, which is actually kind of a, a modern, relatable thing. So this, this dad, who was like a scientist, went out in his shed, and he made a daughter, and she was a robot and an android, covered by human tissue, I think. So she was really very much like a Terminator knockoff, but Vicky was his robot daughter, and she could do things like put a light bulb in her mouth and it would glow, light up. And then every once in a while, like they would spill something on Vicky and she'd be like, and she'd be on the fritz. And it was kind of upsetting when you were a kid watching, but it's a small wonder. Go ahead and type small wonder trailer or small wonder intro into YouTube. It was like, how much cocaine can we possibly be on in the 80s? I know everyone's on it. Do you have to be on that much to say, yeah, I like it, the robot girl. Let's do five seasons of it. I'm sure there's incredible stories we could tell. Amazing. Vicky from Small Wonder, if she showed up in a Super Bowl ad, and we haven't looked, so God, I hope that the actress who played her is still with us, but if she showed up, that would bring the house down for me. That's it. That's Brent Awareness. Flynn, did we miss anything? Uh, no, you, you hit him all on the head. Uh, I'm <laughs> gotta say that Alf was one of the ones I knew the most about in that segment. Oh. You got some old you got some old timers there. All right, well, you do. And I gotta get out of here, but you've got work to do to make sure that the Vicky girl from Small Wonder is still alive. If she's not, we have to erase this part from the show. So have fun with that, and I'll see you, see you next week, Flynn. Enjoy. <laughs> what, how do we end the show today? Darts, of course. Skycam, come on. I could say we've already placated the, the darts lovers among you guys, but can you really ever get enough of this sweet action? Today's number. Oh, imagine if I hit a bullseye on that one. Ew, no, it was an 18. Upper right, 18. What today's topic is? Favorite broadcaster of all time. It's a great question. Um, you know, there's so many opinions and honestly so, so much vitriol for the current NFL broadcasters. I'm talking about the big ones. Um, take whoever you want. It's Collinsworth and Buck and all those guys. And they just take so much crap. There's so much, oh, you, you always are showing favoritism or blah, 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 blah. I think those guys are all great. I think they're so good at what they do. It's so difficult. I've gotten to call a couple games. I call a couple preseason Bears games play-by-play play, and it is simultaneously one of the most exhilarating and difficult things I've ever done. So I love those guys. Um, favorite broadcaster of all time. Uh, look, back in the day, Gorilla Monsoon used to be 
the de facto voice of the World Wrestling Federation. And he was just amazing. This old, old, old wrestler, and he would wear these purple tinted glasses. And his, whether his uh, color commentator was Bobby the Brain Heenan or Jesse the Body Ventura, he was, Gorilla was just great. Great name. He had this amazing way of making you feel like every event, be it Survivor Series or SummerSlam or Royal Rumble or WrestleMania, was just the greatest thing that was going to ever happen to you. It was the biggest sporting event of all time. It was, it was the best thing that's ever gone on on the planet Earth. And he had this way of doing it that was just awesome. I miss that guy. When you're a little kid, I think some of the broadcasters you listen to, whether it's you know my parents and grandparents listening to Walter Cronkite or a little bit younger, it's Tom Brokaw, Whoever you listen to now, Joe Rogan, I don't know who your guy is, but for me it was Walter Cronkite when I was young. No, it wasn't, it was Gorilla Monsoon. Walter Cronkite is my parents, but Gorilla Monsoon doing WrestleMania, the glasses, Bobby the Brain Heenan. If you don't know who it is, just Google him. You'll be like, wow, that looks like a guy named Gorilla Monsoon. Great guy, great guy. Incredible job. Guys, it's been a great week. We've been through a lot. It's been a tough week early on. I know a lot of you guys watched and listened this week. I genuinely appreciate it. The show is... Really fun to do, but it's very taxing. I gotta come home after Good Morning Football, and I love doing it, so when I do it, um, and you guys watch it, it's awesome. And I know the crew is into it, and I'm into it, and I'm just so thankful. Miss you, love you. We'll be back Sunday night to recap week 18. Last, next time we do a show from the basement, we will know all the playoff teams, all the playoff seedings. It will be absolutely incredible. In the meantime, great news from Damar Hamlin's uh, status, and um, just thank you so much for joining the basement. If you don't mind, please exit through the garage, close the door on your way out. See ya.